Psalms 90, verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tell that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I believe walking into a new year, it ought to be a time of reflection. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. Have you ever been overwhelmed by self-inspection and reflection? And here's what God does command us in his word. We are supposed to number our days uh, this weekend. I didn't watch the game, but I heard some of the reports and I saw some of the faces after the Dallas game. I know. Uh, Cowboys fans had hoped this might be the year. That's what they've been hoping for 25 or 30 years. Uh, if, if, if your hope is in a politician or the Cowboys, you're sunk. You're, you're totally sunk. But here's, here's what I was hearing, that uh, they went in with such high hopes and incredible expectations. And after they finished the game, they, they felt shocked days later. They still felt Shock. The game was a revelation, not of their hopes and dreams, but of the reality of how sorry they were when it came to playing football in the playoffs. They underperformed. They underperformed. Now, they watch the game, but I'm hearing they underperformed in all four quarters. And I want you to take that thought now, and let's just carry it quickly into the message. I want to take long tonight, but I want us to break up our lives in the four quarters. If we, more or less, here, according to Scripture, we're given three score years and ten, that's 70 years. To make math simplified, let's just call it 18 years. The first quarter of your life, some of you are in the first quarter. If you're 18 or younger, you need a good start. Anybody that plays football knows you want to start well. You want to score often. You want to get off on the right foot. And young people... When we consider our days, here's what I want everyone to do tonight. Just a moment of reflection and say, what quarter am I in? I'll let you do the math. We'll put it up here on the screen to help you, those that can't figure out the math, once we get past 36. But if you're eight or younger, the primary focus of this stage of life is schooling, your education. It's a time of the forming of your work ethic. These are foundational moments for the rest of your life. It's the development of your personality. I know people say, well, basically your personality is set by the time you're four or five. And I would agree with that to some degree. But I believe that can be altered by way of the Holy Spirit. How many believe there's a Holy Spirit that would like to alter your personality? If you're naturally angry or naturally grumpy or naturally introverted or naturally depressed. Yeah, I believe the Holy Spirit can change all of that. Amen. He, he can get past your flesh if you listen to the Holy Spirit of God. But that, that first quarter is important. The problem is most are not mature enough at any time during that first quarter to understand the importance I, I mean, I have kids that say, Mom, I'm never going to use calculus. I'm never, how often have you used calculus? Never. 
that simply the, the way that grown-ups can legally torture <laughs> children for extended periods of time. For some that's English class, for some that's a foreign language, whatever it is. But young people, if you're in that first quarter and you don't understand Bible principles, uh, you do understand football. In football terminology, if, if your team goes for first quarter and doesn't score a point, that team's in trouble. And here's what happens. Young people, if you're not teaching your children, these are key moments of life. And you don't just get to make your way lazily through school because these are patterns that are being formed for the rest of your life. And now is the time to tune your ear, to listen, to show humility, to begin to grow in your character, to form study habits and proper relationships. All these things start at five and six years of age. But if they are not becoming part of your DNA, learning how to read and comprehend, learning that life is filled with monotonous exercises that none of us enjoy, but we must embrace, that's the forming of their character and getting them to understand you don't get to pick and choose in life the things you want to do. You make merry with the things you have to do. Otherwise, you're going to end up in a bad spot in life. Uh, you're going to end up being a poor leader, a poor father, a poor husband, a poor wife. Life is about embracing the difficult duties of life and thriving in those areas. Now, Go with me to Ecclesiastes 12, because in each one of these, I want to leave you with a verse. If you're under 18, you ought to memorize this verse and make it part of your daily thinking. Ecclesiastes 12.1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. Now, this is out of the mouth of God. You know what God's saying? Evil days are common, and he references evil days based on age. And then he explains what evil days are. Verse 3, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. tremble. That's when your strength, your natural strength, young people, this is why you ought to serve God, because there's coming a day when you're not going to be as physically strong and as energetic. Here's what I can't believe. We have... Harder working elderly in the average church across this nation while the youth are absent. It is the elderly that are found cleaning the church and running the ministries and working the buses. I thank God for a church like this, but this is an exception normally to the rule. Young people, you ought to say, well, I have the strength and the vigor and the energy and those... When you look at someone like Brother St. Pierre, I mean, St. Pierre, they're not here because they feel good. Brother Johnson and Miss Johnson aren't here because uh, physically they felt up to the moment. Miss Kelly and Miss Ronson put on a good face, but I promise you, the energy level, the aches, the creaks, the pains, the problems, the evil days have come. Life is not as easy. And you ought to 
take advantage in your youth and say, I'm going to use my energy for something besides running around the parking lot, catching the football, and pretending to be an athlete. <laughs> the grinder ceased. These are the evil days when your teeth fall out. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Williams, I got everything redone recently. And that is not pleasant. He said, you need to either be true to your teeth or they'll be false to you. <laughs> I stopped the car. I wrote it in the back of my Bible. Amen. <laughs> Young people, all the evil days are coming. Uh, look what it says. Verse 4, the door should be shut in the streets. The sound of the grinding is low and he shall rise up with the voice of a bird. Yeah, be, be thankful. You go to bed at night, you sleep all night, and never wake up a single time. There's coming a day when the evil days come when a cricket chirps and you're up for an hour. <laughs> the wind blows and you don't go back to sleep. A bird whistles and you jump up out of bed, run out the front door with the shotgun. Verse 5, when they should be afraid of that which is high. That means some point walking up to the platform is going to be a struggle. There, there's a reason we put this here. It's not for those under the age of 20 or 30 or 40. But at some stage of life, a ladder is not going to be fun and a platform is not going to be helpful. And before the evil days come, what is God's instruction to those of you that are in the first quarter of life. Remember now thy creator in the days. Of, dedicate your youthful years. Amen. Amen. When the opportunity is, be, uh, is given, be there. Get involved. Let's talk about the second quarter. That's age 19 to 36. How many of you are in the second quarter of life? You're 19 to 36. Raise, raise your hand high. We want to identify. Look, I want you to see what part of this church is from 19 to 36. Raise your hand high. The majority of our church falls in this category right here. Second quarter of life. This is when you're furthering your education and your preparation. You're choosing your career path. You're supposed to be finding a mate. Roberto. <laughs> you're supposed to be at least searching with one eye cracked open. Now... Here's what you want to do during this stage of life. This is a time when, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. This is a time when you're establishing some life-altering friendships. Young people, this is a moment when you need to learn how to choose friends. Those that will help you, avoid those that hurt you. They may be... Christians, they may be even good Christians, but if they're not helping you, you need to determine it now in life to surround yourself with people that are pushing you to be better people in general. Uh, this is a time when so many of your decisions are made and you're beginning to get in the workforce and in different ministries and you're learning who you are and people are figuring out who you are and you're getting established and making a lot of mistakes. You're starting to realize that you don't even know what you don't know. And then accepting advice. 
and changing and addressing those things. Having children and learning, you ought to be learning how to rear children. Otherwise, you're going to rear a monster. Look what it says in Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, floods came, <coughs> the winds blew, beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. If you are in the second court of life, you ought to make this passage a part of your regular thought process and say, I want to make sure what I'm building is founded upon a rock. When you looked at these two houses, here's what we think. We think foolish and wise, that's the unsaved, that's the person on 6th Street, that's the person that doesn't read the Bible. No, Christ is sitting there talking to people, go to the same church, reading the same Bible, listen to the same person preach. We're talking about people in Bible-believing churches, and the only difference is the knowledge is the same, the understanding is the same, the obedience is what is different. They both hear the same scripture. They both know the same teaching. It's just one walks out and actually does it. Now, you would think that there'd be a whole lot of wise people in the average independent Baptist church. If that were the case, preacher wouldn't even have a job. He preached on tithing once, everybody gets it. Preach on salt once, everybody does it. You preach on loving and forgiving and never have to touch that subject again. That's the wise man. Now, here's the problem. We relate building a house to the physical building of a house and think, well, the foundation done. Now you build a house. And I built a solid foundation. The only problem is in the Christian life, Matthew, it doesn't work that way. You're simultaneously building the foundation continually with the building of the structure. Here's what happened. Those houses could have been side by side and known the difference. You can put house over sand that look beautiful, uh, 3,000 square feet and rock front and be impressed by the deck. But at the end of the day, the biggest issue is the focus on the foundation. And here's what Christ said the foundation is. Verse 24, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and what? to them. Here's the problem with the second quarter of life. This is when you see people form the habits of hearing and doing or hearing. And there's a lot of Christians been in church for a long time and growth stopped decades ago. Ain't nothing changing at this point in life. You know why most people over 35 don't walk an aisle? There ain't nothing changing. It doesn't matter who preaches it, where they came from, what their title is, how filled with the Spirit of God they are, what texts they preach. Most Christians have stepped up, reached this point, already predetermined, this is what I will obey, this is what I won't obey, and their foundation is messed up. Here's the problem. Storms will reveal it. If you would have taken a picture of this church 15 years ago and put it up on the screen... Uh, let's just do a little test tonight. If you were here 15 years ago as an adult, 
when I came, stand up. Now, I want you to see this picture. Do you think that's all the people that were in this auditorium 15 years ago? About 10 of them are dead. The rest are alive. And very few of those are actually attending church anywhere. Thank you. You can be seated. You know what happens? Building the foundation isn't one day, one step, one stage of life. Building the foundation is establishing a mindset that says, I'm going to hear it and immediately put it into practice. And at this stage of life, here's what's going to happen. You're determining your whole future because storms are guaranteed and storms will come. And if your foundation is not right, storms will take your house down. I've watched storms take down family after family after family. They look just like the rest. You know what the difference was? Not that the Johnsons have faced less storms. The foundation was just built stronger. You think Miss Edmonds, who was left a widow with five children in her 30s, had no storms? The foundation was different. Third quarter. Goes me to Matthew 6, 33. That's age 37 to 54. How many of you are in the third quarter of life? That's me. This is where I fall. I'm just ending the third quarter. <laughs> the minutes are ticking on my third quarter. Look what it says. Here's the verse for those of you in the third quarter, Matthew 6, 33. But do what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Let's say it out loud together. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And, his, and all these things shall be added. What happens at this stage of life? There's some level of success normally and some level of failure. And this is where people either start to become bitter or better, big-headed or bull-headed. This is when some think, well, I'm successful enough. I don't need God on the same level. This is a stage you start enjoying some of the fruit of your labor. You're becoming a leader. You're correcting your weaknesses. Learning to invest. I know everybody here thinks in terms of money. Yeah, that too. But I'm talking about learning how to invest your time and effort into what people. You're determining your value system. You know what? You think you have a value system, but most don't determine it in their 20s. They said it. They say it. But usually life changes it. And you watch people who said, I'll seek first the kingdom of God, and then they realized how much money could be had if they sought thirdly the kingdom of God. How much success they could have. How many things they could accomplish if they would just put God a little further down the priority list. And here's what happens between 38 and 54, 
you usually insight begin to realize who you are, but you lie to yourself about where you are spiritually. And this is where the younger crowd usually has a better idea of where the third quarter, the scoreboard's up for everyone to see. But third quarter is where people find themselves in denial. We're down by 30, but we can still win this. We're up by 14. We got this victory in the bag. And here's what happens to people in the third quarter of life start to lie to themselves and think that they've done enough. The third quarter is when people start to back up. This is where soul winners stop being soul winners. Sunday school teachers stop being Sunday school teachers. Bus, bus workers stop being bus workers. I've got 10 years in that ministry. It's time for me to get a spiritual pension. Get someone else to do that work. I mean, I've already given three good years to the educational ministry and five good years to the Sunday school and six good years to the junior church. I've already passed out track. Uh, pastor, it, you know what happens? If, if you want proof, you come to a church like Capital City on a Saturday morning where we have 150 people involved in soul winning and you count the people present that are in the third quarter of life. This is when we need to remind ourselves, seek first the kingdom. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3. Fourth quarter. How many of you are in the fourth quarter of life? 55 to 72. There's another quarter there. Yeah. Now for the average Baptist church, this is the majority of the congregation. We're kind of unique, and this is our smallest group. That just means that our youngsters are hard on their parents and take them off the planet early, I guess. This is when people are building a legacy and influencing others. They're reaping the rewards of their life or paying the consequences. This is a time when life begins to rotate around helping parents and dealing with both success and failure. And let me just say this about the fourth quarter. How many of you watch football? Let's see, you know anything about football? Is the fourth quarter the time you're supposed to be coasting? This is when you've got to take everything you have left and give it all you got to finish strong. But here's what I've seen in pastoring. This is usually the quarter when most go to the bench, grab a water bottle, and say, Pastor, my position on the field is tailback, and I decided to get my tailback on the bench. Fourth quarter is a time when you should already predetermine I'm not. Here's, here's what we've tried to do over the history of my tenure here. We've tried to constantly introduce you to men in the fourth quarter of life that are doing more, working harder, praying more, winning more souls, traveling more, thinking bigger, because here's what happens at this stage of life. Life is more complicated than ever before. And those kids got married, and then their marriages became complicated. And then you had grandkids, and that got complicated. And your financial situation got complicated. And 
ministry got complicated and your health got complicated and life became complicated. And normally, you know how football players feel in the fourth quarter? They're hurt. They got grass on their jersey. The helmet scratched. Fingers busted. Ankles been stepped on. They've either tackled or been tackled repeatedly by linebackers that make you, been, make you feel like you've been hit by a car. And that fourth quarter is about you stepping up and saying, I'm going to gut this out. This is a time when the, the body aches and the mind's not as clear and uh, the weather feels colder and running full speed is difficult. That's, that's fourth quarter. Look what it says in Philippians 3, verse 13. Here's what those of you in this stage of life, I hope you'll put this verse on your mirror. Philippians 3, 14. 3.13, brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, this fourth quarter. Here's what happens, fourth quarter. It's easy to look back over your life and start to meditate on everything you did wrong. And life tends to start to magnify those things at this stage of life. It's easy to think you're a pretty good parent when the child is 12, but when the child is 40, none of those flaws are hidden. Not only are they not hidden, they're being magnified in the lives of their grandchildren. Every mistake you made now, whether that's financial or in your friendships, spiritual, you thought would disappear with time, be forgotten, and isn't it strange that things you need to remember you can't, but the mistakes of the past, which you should move past, are now stronger in your mind and memory than ever before? Forgetting those things which are behind, and what? This is the end of Paul's ministry. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Overtime. Turn with me to first or second Timothy four. This is seventy-three and beyond. How many of you fall into this category? Seventy-three and beyond. Overtime. Let's give these people a hand. Hold on for a second. Let's let's see these again. I want to count how many we have in overtime. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, there's eight in overtime, nine in overtime. Overtime is not a bad thing. You ought to thank God every day for overtime, amen? Young people, there's no guarantee overtime. No guarantee you'll make it to 50 or 60. Uh, our previous pastor and evangelist both passed at the same age, 57. I am 52. Hard to believe that I'm just five years younger than my dad uh, when he passed. But here's what, look what it says, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. I have fought a good fight. 
Now, for those of you that are wondering, Paul was not married. <laughs> He's not talking about anything that happened in the home. Spiritual fight. I have finished my core. Here's what I hope everyone will determine to say. I want to go out saying the words of Paul. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Church, here's what I want to do. I don't want to change now. You know how many people are changing? I'm, I'm talking about everything from doctrine, faith in God, separation. It, it is astounding. It is sickening. This is a final push. This is dealing with health issues. This is struggling with life's complications. This is accepting limitations. Now, young people, you know we're close to this. You don't understand the challenge. And here's what I've heard repeatedly from the aging. It is not for the weak or the timid. It is for the stout in heart and the strong in faith. Here's why I love and respect our elderly what they overcome, the humility it takes to, to have lived a life and dealt with success, and suddenly you're watching kids that have less knowledge than you have in your pinky finger. Pretend to be your boss or your authority or the expert on the subject. They come to share their great wisdom at 22 and 24. <laughs> they haven't had kids, but they know how to raise them. <laughs> Dealing with health and limitations and now limited roles. Feel like I'm being put on the shelf. Less use. I'm talking about people, uh, this generation. I'm not making fun of this generation. I'm just making fun of this generation. Commitment. They're talking about millennials that no one wants to hire. Kids going on TikTok and crying and literally crying and weeping because of a 40-hour work week. And right. mo most of that generation doesn't even know what a 40-hour work week looks like. They're still working 40 hours with a busted up body and lack of energy. If, if you want something done in the average ministry, you go straight to the over 60 crowd. You know what overtime is? Overtime is a revelation of who your real football players are. When everyone else is quitting and can't be counted on. Now, a couple simple more thoughts and we're finished. You ought to consider the quarter of life that you're living in. Number two, you ought to live every day like it's your last yet build with the future in mind. Too many days are wasted because we're either sick of what happened in the past, too lazy to focus, or too filled with worry about the future. I think all of us, if we take a moment to meditate on our days, very few days are truly maximized. Young people, you ought to make this a habit in your youth. I've got today, that's all I have. I want to maximize 
this class time, in this service, in this sewing time, in this conversation, and what I am hearing, and whatever I am doing, I'm putting full effort into this moment because this is the only moment I have. I look at college students sleeping through life. And I think if you're sleeping through life at 20, and this is the time you're supposed to have vigor and energy and strength, you're in trouble. Sleeping through conversations, sleeping through ministry, sleeping through classes, sleeping through services. A mind that normally just goes in the neutral. I mean, it's the normal engagement of the mind. Someone speaking, I'm going into neutral. Your life is going to be a revelation of that. Number three, Learn from your mistakes, but don't waste time lamenting every misstep of the past. I want to learn from every mistake. But at this stage of life, I could sit down and cry for hours over every mistake I've made as a father, a pastor, a husband, a leader. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to fix what I can and faith what I can't. So you know what? God, there's things... I made mistakes in my past. I can't go back and remedy all those mistakes, but I certainly can determine today and tomorrow not to make the same mistake. And lastly, learn to excel no matter what stage of life you find yourself in. You're in the first quarter, play hard. You're in the second quarter, play hard. You're in the third quarter. Let me ask you this. At what stage of life I'd say for most, it's the fourth quarter. You start to reflect more, I would say, normally in your late 40s, early 50s. The reality and the weight of life, your invincibility is gone. Life has humbled you, possibly humiliated you. All those dreams and ideas you had, okay, when we talk about being slapped upside the head, with reality, in your youth, reality slapped you like a dead rabbit. You can survive that. In old age, reality slaps you like a two-by-four. That shakes some teeth free. Here's what you want to do. Tonight, you want to meditate, consider whatever quarter you're in, and say, okay, Lord, the command is to do what? Number my days. And it's a harsh reality, Brother Jamie, to say, I'm stepping into the fourth quarter. That, man, I mean, that's, Brother Gantmas, we lied to ourselves when we were running all those young couples meetings. <laughs> Here's what I want to do. I want to finish strong. I don't want to back up. I don't want to back down. Uh, I don't want to lament every mistake I made in my ministry, whether that was Argentina or Mexico or here. I want to become a better pastor today than what I was yesterday. I want to be a better father today and a better husband today and a better leader today and a better friend today. And I want to walk into the fourth quarter and say I'm going to play just as hard. I may not have the same strength, but I certainly should have more experience and wisdom. And if you've been given overtime, finish strong.